He's amused Cam Newton. Just ask that question. <laughs> He's been insulted by Charles Barkley. When some idiot in the press asked him, if you know what you know now, would you have scheduled this game? He's interviewed Matthew McConaughey. I do say go, Tario. And he's taken on Big Blue Nation. I see, he's just completely taking the wind out of my sails. <laughs> it's time for The Drive with Josh Graham. Welcome to a Wednesday Drive. You are listening to WSJS News Talk Sports for The Triad, where tonight marks the unofficial end of the college basketball offseason. Now, there's still a couple of players who have between now and midnight tonight to decide whether they'll keep their names in the NBA draft or decide to return to school. That list includes the National Player of the Year, Zach Eady at Purdue, and a couple guys in the ACC, which we'll get to a little bit later on in the show. But after tonight, it's June, and players, they're going to start reporting to campus, and teams, they're going to start to work out. You'll see some moves between now and the start of the college basketball preseason camp and such, but not many. Tonight really is the unofficial end of the college basketball offseason. So who's had the best offseason in the ACC? To me, there are only two options, two answers to that question, and they're both here in the state of North Carolina. It's either Duke or NC State, and they've both thrived in completely different ways. Let's start with the Blue Devils. John Shire hasn't had to dip into the portal at all. He hasn't had to add anybody. Last year, you might remember, he added Ryan Young from Northwestern. They added Jacob Grandison from Illinois. Duke hasn't had to do that. Why? Because they brought four starters back, three of which that tested the NBA waters and Kyle Filipowski, Mark Mitchell, and Jeremy Roach, all returning to the Blue Devils in addition to Tyrese Proctor. And that's not all that Duke's done. Duke also has the number two recruiting class in America. And that's in spite of after Filipowski announced he was returning, the best player in that class, Mackenzie Mbako, decided to rescind his national sign letter of intent. So he got out of his sign letter of intent. And even though the prized recruit of Duke's number one class at that time is no longer in the mix. Duke still has enough five stars in the class to have the number two ranked class, according to 24-7. They have four five-star players in addition to those four starters coming back. So Duke, they've had a pretty good offseason. They haven't even had to touch the portal. NC State, meanwhile, has been better than everybody else in the portal. Kevin Keats channeling... His Juco days, channeling his Hargrave Military Academy days. They added not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, but six transfers in the portal this offseason. And a couple of which are going to be starters. DJ Horn from Arizona State added, he averaged 12 points a game. He's probably going to be the Wolfpack starting point guard. You added the leading scorer from Butler and Jaden Taylor. Both guys have played multiple years of college basketball as starters. Experienced bodies. You bring in Middlebrooks in the post, coming off the bench. Kevin Keats, he likes to play a lot of dudes. He's going to be able to do that with the transfers they bring in. Plus, they got big DJ Burns back in the post. You get Casey Morsell, one of the most efficient three-point shooters in the ACC this past year. He returns. NC State has a formidable dark horse type of roster going into next year, and it's because of the work Kevin Keats has done to replace Terquavion Smith, 
and Jarkel Joyner mostly through the portal. So I'll put it to you. Who's had the best offseason? 336-777-1600. Is it NC State or is it Duke? I put that up on my Twitter poll at Josh Graham Radio. You could also vote on it at WSJS Radio. Asking that question a little bit earlier on today. And so far, got 50 or so votes in the last few minutes. 71% early on say Duke is the answer to that question. I probably would agree with that. Because Duke's going to be the preseason number one team in the country. And it's because you re-recruit your roster. And probably with some help from their general manager, Rachel Baker, and some of the NIL stuff they're able to put together in Durham, you could convince some of those guys to stay, which is big, so that you don't have to go into the portal. And you also recruit the number two recruiting class, too. That's coaching. That's top-notch recruiting that Duke does. And thus, I think they've had the best offseason in the ACC. On Twitter, at WSJS Radio, if you want in on today's show. That's where we're streaming video in addition to YouTube and Twitch. However, and wherever you are listening or watching to the sh- uh, watching the show today, we appreciate that. Will Dalton, the executive producer of this show. WD, we still don't have a movie for you to watch tonight, right? We don't. I was thinking about this this morning, actually. We need to change that. I got to review it tomorrow. You don't have any... Plans tonight. There are no basketball games or hockey games to watch. The Stanley Cup Finals don't start till Saturday. We'll get to the NBA Finals in a bit. You know what? Let's think on this for a second. We'll change that in a bit. We also got intern Ryan in the house rocking a sweet pink polo shirt. So we're all fashionable here in our WSGS studios. Shifting things. SEC spring meetings are taking place this week. And with Texas and Oklahoma set to join the league in a year, The big topic has been scheduling. What is the format they're going to have now that 16 teams are going to be in the SEC starting next year? This is not an issue that every coach thinks is pressing. Namely, Kirby Smart at Georgia. Here he was yesterday. Overrated conversation there was. (laughs) Four years, you'll play everybody home and away. I mean, I get it. The traditional rivalries, you have three, you have two, you have one, you have this, you have that. I mean, you guys need something to write about bad when you start talking about this. It's just not that big a deal to me because you you have to win your games to advance. Spoken like a true football coach. The most overrated topic out there, according to Kirby Smart. And I'm with Kirby with that because, you know, this really shouldn't be a big issue. It's obvious what the answer is for the SEC. They should go to nine games. That's what they need to do. Eight is no longer tenable with 16 teams because now that they've eliminated divisions, WD, it's simple math. If you're going to do an eight-game schedule, it's you have seven teams that you're going to play that rotate every year and one permanent opponent. Simple math. You have a permanent opponent that you're going to play, base one, and then you're going to have seven teams that rotate every other year to allow for you to play everybody in the Southeastern Conference home and away over a four-year span. But the problem with only having one permanent opponent is this. Alabama can't every year play both Auburn and play LSU and play Tennessee. You, you can't do that. So those rivalries will then become every other year deals other than the one that you want. And that doesn't feel like the best option, given all the tradition that surrounds the Southeastern Conference. I don't think a lot of people are going to go for that. Texas joining the SEC. You want them to play Oklahoma and Texas A&M every year. But given that format, 
you wouldn't get a chance to play both every year. One of those would have to settle for playing their rival every other year, which isn't, I don't think, what you want when there's such a better option sitting right there for you, which is have nine conference games with three permanent opponents and have six teams that rotate every other year. That way, you have... You play every SEC school home and away over a four-year span. You do accomplish that. And you have three permanent opponents that will allow for the most important rivalry games to get played every year. If you wanted it to be this way, Alabama could then play LSU every year, can play Auburn every year, and can play Tennessee every year. You can, you can do that with the permanent opponents. And for everybody else, you can accomplish that too. You can have Georgia play Florida and still play Auburn. You can have Texas play Oklahoma and still play Texas A&M. You can work that out. Is it perfect? No. But stop shooting for perfect. Nothing is really perfect in life. Nothing's really perfect when you talk about scheduling formats with 16 teams. See, it, re it reminds me of the SAT, where there are the questions when you're coached on how to do the SAT where they tell you there is not a perfect answer, choose the best answer. That's it. You got to discern what the best answer is when there isn't a perfect answer available. This is not perfect because, again, if you're Alabama, you're probably not going to be in love with the idea of having to play Tennessee, LSU, and play Auburn every single year when some of the other schools might have lesser permanent opponents. You can work around that. You can massage that. But this is the best answer to the question. The best way to solve the rivalries issue. The best way to work Texas and Oklahoma in. And on top of that, when you're talking about 16 teams playing one more additional game, you're talking about 32 more SEC games for your conference to sell and potentially make more money off it. Now, there, again, there are more problems than that. You talk about the non-conference deal. What, what do South Carolina, Florida, Georgia, and Kentucky think about this? Who have to already play an ACC rival to close their regular seasons. All four of those teams do it. We got to play nine conference games and we have our rival. That leaves us, what, two games? And we're already talking about a 12-team college football playoff starting next year? When do our players get a breather? Is that how we want to schedule? Is that too difficult of a schedule for our kids? Like I said, it's not perfect, but it's best financially for the conference. It's the best for the fans. It's the best for college football, I think, that they move to nine games and have the three permanents and the six that rotate. It's the drive with Josh Graham, WSJS. Connor O'Neill hanging out in studio with us. Covers Wake, covers Duke. We'll get into baseball certainly in just a bit. But we need to start with basketball news because it took three years for us to get an answer to this question. But late Friday, USA Today, Friday News Dump, we got an answer. 
where USA Today obtained 2021 federal tax records and found that Wake Forest paid Danny Manning $14.7 million in the buyout. So I remember the day that he was let go, Jeff Goodman had the report that it was $17 million. And the reaction we got from Wake, we're not going to tell you what the figure is, but it's not $17 million. Yeah, it was uh, don't believe every number that you read. Right. I, I think was paraphrasing. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't gone back and done the research. Right. But- and then there were some other reports that they're maybe looking around $7 million to pay out. There were They're going to try to potentially fire him with cause because of something to do with retention rates. Turns out that $17 million figure, pretty close. 14.7. Pretty, pretty close. It's a pretty good endorsement of the law services of Michael A. Grace, I believe is the attorney that Danny used. Um. Yeah, man, that was kind of my white whale. Uh, I tried for years. Uh, Goodman put out the report of the buyout, I think, after the Houston Baptist game. And the Houston Baptist game was Black Friday of 2018. Oh, that's right. It was well before he got fired that we learned about that $17 million figure. So we spent a long time, we as in I, spent a long time trying to track whether that number was correct or not. And I cannot tell you how many times I had to write into a story uh, the buyout as reported by ESPN.com's Jeff Goodman. And eventually Goodman changed jobs and I had to write Goodman then of ESPN now of wherever he was uh, stadium, I guess. But, um, and I, you know, I think as, as I'm figuring out uh, still, I hope young in my journalism career, uh, you'll hear, You'll hear some from some people you trust the correct information and you'll hear from some people you trust incorrect information. And I had both sides in, in each year and I never was able to lock down uh, what was true and what wasn't. So it was just, it was kind of that thing that just kept floating out there and, you know, eventually you move on uh, the, the next coach coming in and having success helps you move forward from it. But, um, yeah, because that on that note, here's the thing. 14.7, quite a lot. Worth it. I think yeah. in hindsight, worth uh, it. You know, I would I would like a what we'll never get is a full look at Wake's athletics revenue and, and where the money goes and but just based on how what much we of a see, chunk of the budget that took out. Based on what we see though, attendance figures certainly a lot better. That's gonna make up some of that. Back-to-back winning seasons are in line with that. But the thing that I talked about at the time that made it worth it, and I think has bared itself out, you don't get a coach like Steve Forbes' caliber in a normal cycle. At that time, when everybody was spooked during COVID, not knowing where money was going to come from in April of 2020, early May, usually you see about 10 coaching changes per cycle among major conferences 10 wake forest was the only one that year yeah which means they had their pick of the litter so a year later you probably don't get steve forbes you probably don't get a coach of that caliber yeah and uh this is where we cue steve's oft-repeated line of him being the only dummy out there to take a job in a pandemic right um i always chuckle at that when he mentions it in pressers but no, you're right. I mean, Wake was bidding against themselves for the top two really 
definitely the top two coaches in the SoCon. The SoCon was one of the top mid-major conferences back then. Steve Forbes and Wes Miller. And uh, Wake looked like they picked correctly. Um, I think that's right. Yeah. John Curry, I think, even though he didn't want to give us the answer for all these years, and now we figured it out, $14.7 million is the figure, he did get it right and took a big risk to make a move at that time, and it looks like it's paid off. Looking at some Wake basketball news today, Steve Forbes has replaced Brooks Savage, who left to become East Tennessee State's coach, with Demetrius Nichols. Connor, who is Demetrius Nichols? Demetrius Nichols is a uh, hashtag ACC legend from Syracuse who never, ever played in the ACC. <laughs> uh, I think I read that he led the Big East in scoring his senior year, uh, which would have been either 2006 or 2007. Oh, he was on those teams that had, oh, shoot. Right right after the national championship Syracuse. Yeah, yeah, team. yeah. I'm trying to so think. Like the 5-6 overtime. Jerry McNamara. Jerry McNamara. Uh-huh. Um, the, the other guy. I think I know who you're thinking of in the six overtime game who jumped Eric Devendorf. Eric Devendorf. Wow. Yep. yep. Hit the nickelback drop. I made it. That's a nickelback of college basketball right Although, there. Eric now that I say Devendorf. it, the, the six overtime game happened my sophomore year in college. And so that would have been 2009. Eric uh, So, But he was an assistant, Demetrius Nichols, with the Toronto Raptors, right? Nichols was with the Raptors. Uh, if you follow Wake basketball at this point, you know that Steve Forbes and Nick Nurse are really good friends. From the same Nick, small town in Lone Tree, Iowa. Nick Nurse got fired a month or so ago. So his coaches are out there looking for jobs. He... I think may or may not be taking the Sixers job. Already did. Okay. Nick Already Nurse, did. Head so, coach of the Sixers. This is, you know, pretty common where a coach gets fired. He's looking for landing spots for guys that he might not be able to bring with him. Like he he might get to Philly and not have a spot for. I don't know how that transpires, but I do know that it's pretty easy to draw the line between one of Nick Nurse's guys needs a job. Steve has an opening and if so facto. Shout out to uh, Nick Nurse and uh, intern Ryan, who's a Knicks fan. Yeah, very pumped about that. Let's get to some college football notes very quickly. The Cheez-It Bowl, RIP. The Cheez-It Bowl is no more. I thought there still is a Cheez-It Bowl. It's been replaced. It, but the Cheez-It name moved somewhere else. The Cheez-It Bowl has been replaced. The ACC and the Big Ten will now meet in the first ever Pop-Tarts Bowl. I do like Pop-Tarts. This might be the hottest take I have on this show. <laughs> might need to be equipped with the hip-hop air horn. Aaron Roundtree has taken issue with this take, uh, apparently. That the cookies and cream flavored Pop-Tart is the elite best Pop-Tart flavor. You've never had red velvet, have you? No. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. They make that? That's a thing? Yeah. Whoa. Whoa, Connor's coming in with... He- Do we? Can we hit a, hit that horn again? <laughs> Wow. wow. I've not seen it on shelves in a few years, but it's like at, black market. At one point, there was a red velvet uh Pop Tart and it was by far their best. Let's put this in like one of those toasters for now and revisit this issue a little bit later on because we also learned some kickoff times today for September football games. North Carolina, South Carolina is going to be a primetime ABC game. At Bank of America Stadium. Remember, ESPN and ABC don't have Big Ten games this year. So expect a lot of ACC games to be in that primetime ABC slot that otherwise might not be 
North Carolina, South Carolina getting that treatment in week one. Wake Forest Vanderbilt is an 11 a.m. kick, Connor, in Winston-Salem. If you don't like noon kicks, buckle up, buckaroos. 11 a.m. Winston-Salem, America, week two. Yeah, look, uh, selfishly, I like this because it's going to let me get to Durham for a 6 o'clock game against Lafayette, and I can ha- make Double it a duty. hashtag two games Courtney. But um, Who's Courtney? <laughs> it's, a, it's a running joke. Uh, Adam Smith, former co-worker in Burlington. Yeah. Uh, his wife, it stems from a Christmas party, and he, needed, he, he had two games to cover the next day, and that, that kind of tells you what you need to know. There you go. Inside um, Carolina's uh, Adam Smith now. Yeah. Uh, you know, 11 o'clock it's the September game. I, I I think if this was a November ACC game and they were sticking at 11, yeah, get, get ornery about that one. But 11 o'clock on a Saturday, I mean, you're, you're going to be playing with a little bit cooler temperatures. Hmm. Connor, look, at, look at the bright side. That's, I mean, I'm, I'm, I can gear you up for everything that Dave Clawson is going to say about this game four months from now. Super positive, optimistic Connor O'Neill. The Drive with Josh Graham, only on WSJS. It's hump day, even though it doesn't feel like it because of Memorial Day being on Monday. But that doesn't mean the triad is going to be deprived of positivity. Because some people need it, myself included. Because the Orioles are down 6-5 to five and they had a pitcher give up back-to-back home runs against a Cleveland team that isn't any good. And Baltimore's in danger of losing this series. I'm bummed out by this. And this game's crawling. For all this talk about how quick games go, the Braves and Oakland started a game an hour ago. WD, not even. They're in the top of the fifth. The Orioles started at 3 o'clock. They're in the middle of the fourth. Not great. So we're in need of positivity. This is the first time I think Ryan, intern Ryan's been in here for weekly positivity. How would you best explain this segment to Ryan? It's very uh, meditative. Mm -hmm. It has a certain ambiance to it. It's the most polarizing segment we do. We call it the Dick Vitale of our show. It is. It's super positive, but people don't like it for some reason. Yeah. One of my dad's buddies. But then people love it. People love Dickie V, too. Yeah. So, you know, every time we do, I think, a lot of thoughtful stuff on this show. A lot of great basketball, football analysis that we have. But this is the segment that gets brought up the most. Anytime I'm meeting someone for the first time, it's like I either love weekly positivity or I hate this. This is the bane of my existence. I turn off the radio when you guys do this segment. And see, I think those people, they just need positivity. That's what and I'm they're saying. they're not accepting it. Uh-huh. They're, they're closed off to it. Especially since we're giving away tickets. Exactly. And weekly positivity. We have Chevelle and Three Days Grace tickets that if you call in and tell us something good, then those tickets are yours for Charlotte later this year. 336-777-1600, fell in three days grace. We're going to be giving away tickets right now for you to win in weekly positivity. The inches we need in life are everywhere 
around us. That might be a hint of a movie that you might be watching later tonight, WD. People need to vote on the poll at Josh Graham Radio, at WSJS Radio. Should WD watch Unforgiven? Should he watch Casino? Or should he watch Any Given Sunday? We'll figure that out by the end of the show today. But if you want to go see Chaffel in Three Days Grace later this year, 336-777-1600 is the phone number. Hi, Will. Hi, Josh. Tell me something good. Well, as you know, I'm a big coffee person. Yeah. So I went to Barnes & Noble on my day off. And I was looking at some books. And I was looking at a Star Wars book, a Game of Thrones book. But I I picked up a couple books because I'm trying to learn how to make espresso. The different ways of making espresso... And I was learning about the extraction rates and the different pressure of how you tamp the coffee. And I feel like I got a lot out of that. And as a result, my coffee has been deliciously. Wow. Yeah. Sarah Bradford got me this chai tea latte mix that just requires you to pour some mix and some milk together to create it. Throw some ice in there too. And for some reason, They weren't tasting really good at first. And then Sarah Bradford asked me a very important question that I had not considered. How much are you pouring of each? I'm like, wait, they give you directions on that? I thought you were just guessing. No. That's not how it works. So I I then saw what I was supposed to pour of each. And now they taste good. Wow. 336-777-1600 if you'd like to play along and potentially win concert tickets as well, let's go to Keith, who's in Greensboro. Keith, tell me something good. Hi, Keith. Hello. Hi. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. All right, good deal. Something good? Yeah. Well, traffic on 40 is pretty light coming into Greensboro from Winston-Salem. Where are, you, where, where are you at right now on 40? <laughs> Like, tell me uh, what just, you're looking at right past, now. Uh, just past 68. Ah, that's a good neck of the woods. Good road. Yeah. No, I see, I love that part of 40 because that's not far from where that big flag is. Like, Camping World yep. flag near Kurt. Like, every time I drive past it, I think in my, I think to myself, wow, that's a big old flag. Absolutely. Keith, enjoy Three Days Grace and Chevelle. Thanks for, thanks for the call. Thank you, John. Yeah, there we go. Stay on the line so WD can get your information. I'll tell you something good. WD, tomorrow is June. Yes, it is. And in the month of June, I've got, we got the NSMA annual dinner that we love. So we'll be hanging out with the likes of Lee Corso. And last year it was Ernie Johnson and Charles Barkley who were hanging out. And that was good uh my one-year wedding anniversary your next month my wife that's good and it means summer is nearing do you have any big summer plans not yet but i just realized i've never taken a day off before 
Well, I mean, we did have Monday off. Well, I mean, like, I've never used any of my off days. I know. I don't know why you do that. I just don't think about it. I just come to work. (laughs) WD, (laughs) I mean this partially as a jab, but it's also something I love about you. You're a child. Yes, I am. Like, you... (laughs) The, the Star Wars thing, oh. the the amount of effort and stuff you pour into that and baseball cards and things of that nature. You you are Tom Hanks in the movie Big, which means nothing to you because there's no chance that you've seen that movie. No shot. None. <sighs> and that's been Weekly Positive. I try not to get frustrated. Because again, I don't mean that as a full-on jab. I mean, it I, is that boy-like wonder that is it does make you a character. It does. Everybody has something about them that makes them a character. I don't know what it is about Ryan, but eventually we might learn it and turn Ryan that's here. For me, it's I you you can describe what I love the bachelor. Yes. We have Bachelor Nights when the Bachelor show is on. And most people who watch that show are women. And most women drink wine while they watch The Bachelor. What do I drink? You drink Nesquik. Chocolate milk. Man, you're sitting there That's my vice. Yeah. So we're all weird in our own way. You're weird in that you're you're a 12-year-old boy in a 27-year-old body. It's what you are. Like, just take a second. (laughs) You watch the movie. Okay, not going to talk about that movie. Wait, no, no, what movie? I was thinking the movie Forty Year Old Virgin, like oh. when what's what's her face, Catherine Keener walks into his apartment for the first time. Yes, and there's nothing on the walls because his friends like, hey, just take away the things that are embarrassing, and then it's everything in the apartment. Yeah, see, looks like it's moving. Like, look at your apartment through the eyes of a woman. What she's gonna think of all the Star Wars memorabilia. All of it. I don't know. I mean, some of the girls I brought over, they thought that was pretty cool. <sighs> I mean, it's not everywhere. I mean, I, listen, I have good decor. That That's another thing of mine. Writing this down for a summer topic. Go ahead. WD has, quote, good. Oh, I do. Good decor. Go on the drive with Josh Trail. WSJS. <laughs> When we play Unusual Questions, we have one more pair of Chevelle and Three Days Grace tickets to give away. That's for Skyla Credit Union Amphitheater in Charlotte. Those tickets don't go on sale till Friday. Save the phone number down, 336-777-1600, or you can dial it up and queue up an Unusual Question for us to answer in just a bit. But before we get to that, the preeminent in-state college baseball expert. Darren Vaught joins the show now. You know him from the ACC Baseball Etc. podcast. This is your time of year, buddy. We're going to put you in the right spots to shine. We're going to cue you up, get you ready to go. So let's start here. Wake Forest, they are the only in-state hosts out of the 16 we see in this baseball bracket. They're the overall number one seed as well. How surprised were you to find... That even though North Carolina set a record for teams getting bids with eight, that none of the remaining seven were sent to Winston-Salem. 
Um, not not as surprised as you might think. A, there were a lot of I would call regional hosts that um stood to be pretty short drives or trips for some of our in-state teams. And we see that we've got NC State and Campbell, two of them in the Columbia, South Carolina region. I also think it's by the committee, it's a little bit of a, a, a tip of the cap to Wake Forest, which has been easily hands down, dominantly the top team in college baseball all season. And look, I mean, any of the eight teams from our state that made NCAA regionals fully capable of winning a regional and making it to a super regional. So I think, honestly, I do think it was a little bit of a respect play in favor of Wake Forest to not include any of the other in-state teams in the the Winston-Salem regional. Some were surprised with some of the bids that were stolen late that NC State got in. You were not. There were three seed, as you mentioned, going to Columbia. Many people were surprised that North Carolina, also a three seed, sent far away from home to Indiana State. Who do you think got the better draw as a three, North Carolina or State? It's tough. Um, I, I Look, I know traveling is is not as fun this time of year. There are obviously going to be more NC State fans in Columbia than there are North Carolina fans in Terre Haute, Indiana, the peak of civilization, of course. Great pronunciation um, on your part. You nailed it. I, I'm, you know what? I'm going to walk this back. Indiana State and Iowa both have pitching staffs that are supers and and even, dare I say, Omaha caliber. And without Vance Honeycutt playing for North Carolina, that that is going to be such a tough region for them to get out of. For NC State, not that it's not going to be a tough region with both Campbell and the host South Carolina Gamecocks, but it just seems a little bit more wide open for 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 the Wolfpack. Um, so so I, I'll say I'll say NC State the better of the two draws. Darren Vaught with us here. Other than Wake Forest, would you say NC State? has the best shot of a North Carolina team to make it to the next weekend, NC State or Campbell, I guess, who play each other in the first game down in Columbia? Yeah, I mean, look, if you do the math, we've got two teams in the Columbia region. We have two teams in the Conway region, hosted by Coastal Carolina. Shout out they to sc- Myrtle Beach. They score a ton of runs, but I'm I'm not totally sold on Coastal's pitching. I... I think Duke or UNC Wilmington even could surprise and come out of that region. Um, wow, you like you, the chances of both Duke and UNCW more than you do the two and three seed in Columbia, NC State and Campbell, do you? Uh, um, because of the strength of the host. You think that uh, Columbia, you think South Carolina is a stronger host than Coastal is? Yes. Yeah, and I don't even think South Carolina should have been hosting. I just I've not been sold on Coastal all year. Again, they score a ton of runs. Their pitching is a concern. Um, and, and I guess what we haven't mentioned yet, ECU. I I, I really don't no. like that draw. Stop. I do not. I do not like that draw. That's not going to um, happen. Mm-hmm. I don't think it is because even in the first game that they play, they've got Oklahoma, which squeezed into the tournament, but is a very capable team and could even come away from that regional. Um, 
of the North Carolina teams besides besides Wake Forest, I would put it very tightly contested between the four in the Columbia and Conway regions with Campbell being a slight favorite. Darren Vaught, you can go to one region. Which one are you going to? If you could teleport <laughs> at any one, which one would you like to hang out at? Well, I I will be at Wake Forest some, I imagine. I'm already going to be in Burlington. Not what I'm asking. That's more that's regional. I'm not talking like convenience and regionality. I'm saying you can teleport to one region and you can be there. Convenience, we're throwing that out the out the window. Which one would you want to go to? I think it's Clemson. Oh, Tennessee is very intriguing. One of the best pitching staffs in the country. Uh, Clemson is one of the hottest teams in the country. Winners of 16 straight. And get this. Don't sleep on Charlotte. Mm. Like, look, and I'm, I'm a USA baseball guy. I'm a company guy, but they put out the, the semifinalist list for the golden spikes award, which is often paralleled with the Heisman trophy. It's for the most outstanding player in college baseball. Charlotte's Cam Fisher is not on that list, and it's a shame because he's got 30 home runs. He leads the country, and he's the heart of a team that just made the NCAA regionals. Um, I, not to say that that means he's playing with an extra chip on his shoulder and is going to thrust them into the Super Regionals in what is a very, very competitive regional, but... I was at Clemson at Doug Kingsmore Stadium to do a series for the very first time, my first trip there earlier this season, fell in love with the environment, and that was before they were even in the playoff picture. So uh, I, I think it would be Clemson to Doug Kingsmore Stadium to see the Vols, Tigers, Lipscomb, and Charlotte. 336-777-1600. Call now if you want to win tickets to see Chevelle in three days, Grace. All you have to do is ask us an unusual question. Really, sports question, great. If it's not a sports question, even better than that, chance to ask us anything because it's time for unusual questions. Last week, guys, everybody made it out that I got mad at Josh and I left the press conference. That's not right. I thought it was an unusual question, and it's okay. It's time for unusual questions with Josh Gray. First off, we need you to weigh on this real quickly before we get started. What movie should WD watch tonight that he hasn't seen? Casino, Any Given Sunday, or Unforgiven? Darren. Mm, yeah, I know. I'm, I know. I know that was directed toward me. I'm thinking. <laughs> you said quickly. Uh, Any given either. Sunday, forgiven or unforgiven with Clint Eastwood, Gene Hackman, and uh, Casino. Those are the three. I don't know that I've seen Unforgiven. Oh, huh. but I'm sure you've seen Any Given Sunday or Casino. And probably. Casino. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm leaning Any Given Sunday. I think Will would really enjoy that. Yeah, and Connor said the same exact thing, but. Will thinks but, that but Casino sounds like rather, Casino Royale, so he's going to want to see it. Yeah. That's I mean, Will's 12-year-old thinking. Want to. This is not in the, the category of movies, but I'm sure it's also something Will's unfam unfamiliar with. Um, it's not Unforgiven, but you should go on YouTube and watch the Unforgivable videos. That's necessary viewing. Chicken sandwich and some waffle fries. <laughs> some place in the mall. <laughs> you better not have any other brothers. Okay, let's get things started. Uh... What is, oh, this is the question that needs to be asked. Aaron Roundtree, former Wake Forest basketball player, taking great umbrage with this. The Cheez-It Bowl is no more. 
The ACC and the Big Ten will play in a bowl game at the same site that is now called the Pop-Tarts Bowl this year, which led to me saying that the cookies and cream flavored Pop-Tart is the best Pop-Tart. Don't at me. And he came in here talking about the cinnamon sugar Pop-Tart. Get it, get it right. It's brown sugar cinnamon. Come brown on. Brown sugar cinnamon. It's the goat. It is the goat. Connor O'Neill came in here saying, you haven't tried the red velvet Pop-Tarts, which I haven't. Sounds amazing. See, no, see, look, here's, here's my issue with you and Connor, your choices. Okay. It's too, it's, it's too far removed from the very, like if you want to taste, if you want the satisfaction of a cookies and cream Pop-Tart. Yeah. Just go get a bag of Oreos. It's not going to be better than that. Nah, I don't know about that because I can microwave, I can heat up the Pop-Tart and it'd be wonderful. You can't heat up Oreos and that's not going to be good. And then you can dip, like you could break no. the Pop-Tart apart and you have the gooey texture in the center of the Pop-Tart that you then dip in milk. It's a lot better to dip the no. cookies and cream uh, or uh, Pop-Tart in the milk versus a different flavored Pop-Tart. I just think you can get those satisfactions elsewhere, whereas there is no brown sugar cinnamon equivalent. So, like, I'm with Roundtree. I think it's deserved of that top spot. Although I would I would hear an argument for Wildberry or even, like, one of the original fruit, fruit using my air quotes because there's no fruit included, one of the fruit flavors, like an iced strawberry. Or you know what was really good that they discontinued for a while? The grape. Oh, it was a very, very good Pop-Tart. And you know what? You know what? While we're on the cookies and cream thing, it's not even the best in its general category of flavor. Do you guys remember chocolate vanilla cream? Very good. It's a it's a little bit lighter of a, a, a chocolate, right? Lighter color. But the cream was... was choice it was probably the best filling pop tarts has ever done we're so getting I, we're getting into the weeds darren Vot, give me your unusual question all right guys it's time to talk minor league baseball promotions because the cleveland guardians high a affiliate lake county captains you know what they're doing tonight what they are holding walt whitman night and you, do you go home and say, do you guys even know who Walt Whitman is? Please tell me you guys know who Walt Whitman is. I don't is. know who Walt Whitman is. Oh, intern Ryan doesn't. Well, it, it's not like a, a, a movie or music related guy. He's like a very well known poet. Oh, I really don't know him. And like a philosopher type. You probably Walt Whitman. were required to read some Whitman. And also, your... and also, a month ago, you watched Dead Poet Society, so it's okay. unbelievable you don't know who Walt Whitman is because you're supposed to pay attention to that movie. Proceed. It's fine. Anyways, this is right up my alley. I, I'm disheartened that I can't be at the Lake County Captain's game tonight. Yeah. I have no idea how they're going to pull it off, what they're going to do for Walt Whitman night. Um... So my question, there's a question here. That's right. I'm supposed to have one. My question is, it can be minor league, it can be whatever. What's your favorite, like, sports promotion? Of all time? Yeah, sure. There, like, there was a minor league team that did a nothing night one time. Oh, no, no. And they, and they just, like, didn't play music for batters. They didn't do anything. And no. it was nothing night. I, I remember uh, the Greensboro Grasshoppers when Jim Beheim had those comments about Greensboro. <laughs> said, anybody with a Syracuse like uh license or anybody named Jim free admission 
free admission to a Greensboro Grasshoppers game. It was Greensboro Appreciation Game What's that? or Green, Greensboro Value Value Night. Was that drop, Will? Was that just now a Jim Beheim sniffle? That's it correct. sure He's was, like, Darren. Good ear. That's correct. My, my man. Good nose. Look, when, <laughs> my man never did a radio interview without just the, making the most disgusting I love the nose fact that Darren sounds. recognizes a Jim Beheim sniffle. That's outstanding. He's lived it. He okay. knows. Uh, WD, we only have time for you to ask your unusual question very quickly. So I went to a fresh market. For the first time over the long weekend. And it was incredible. I mean, they had like a a big tubes where they roast their own coffee beans. Settle down. Incredible. Yes. Incredible. They had multiple flavors of coconut water, not just the regular. Also, man, I've seen your social media posts and what you do to your coffee. Like, Right. Look, were those tubes full of like milkshakes? Because that's what that's what your coffee drinks are, man. It, I, don't, I don't believe that you not can actually appreciate coffee beans and the smell of it. Because that's not what you drink. <laughs> anyway, so I was very impressed by Fresh Market. What is the best grocery store? Wow. And well, I know this is going to... You know. You I know. know what the answer for me I, is. I know. I'm a Costco man. Right. Costco keeps the cost low. That's <laughs> where I'm at. I've recently been turned on... Uh, to Wegmans, hey there's one Ooh. here in Chapel Hill. Big fan, big fan of Wegmans. Just like you know, fresh market like in the the uh, the vibes selection. It's a good spot. Yeah, and that's been unusual questions with Darren Vaught. I hate my baseball team, but I also love them too. Where they're up four one, and then they're down six five, and then they're up seven to six, and now down twelve to eight. This. To the Guardians, nonetheless. Yeah, that's that's my life, Darren. Bob. I love it for you. I love it for you. Just Se- remember, second remember best record in baseball, year- though. Yeah, remember all the years that you were totally uninterested this time of year. You wouldn't even have a clue what the the Orioles game was was like mid show. Yeah, but now we're completely locked in, Darren Vaught. Thanks for being here, buddy. Have a great regional weekend. Who knows? We might be talking about a super regional featuring Wake Forest. And Boston College. Boston College. <laughs> Next week. Ooh, I hope so. Oh, I hope we are. that would be amazing. Okay. Thanks, Darren. <laughs> yeah. See you guys.